HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by greatbrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Today is August 5th, 2014. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. And thanks to our sponsor, GreatBrewers.com. You know, in, in the world of beer, there's so much going on with American craft breweries and, and local New York and, and local everywhere. There's over 3,000 breweries in the country right now. And most are either local brew pubs or nano breweries or, or, or small breweries. And, uh, you know, we, we forget that not just a few years ago, the source of uh, best quality craft beers were coming from specialty importers. And uh, one of the importers that really turned me on to uh, buying good beer was the Shelton Brothers. Uh, it was a few years ago I opened Jimmy's number 43 in 2005. And after about six months, uh, there was a coincidence that uh, one of the Shelton Brothers was coming in, and uh, I got my first taste of uh, being sold beer by uh, Dan Shelton. And he basically told me all the beer I had was crap. And had to try all his beers. So, uh, you know, looking back on that, we're, we're, we're bringing in some of the Shelton Brothers team, Joel Shelton and B.R. Roya, uh, regular guests that we've had. And we're going to have Joe Carroll coming in from Spite and Dival as well. We're going to talk about the early days of, uh, you know, craft beer and the Shelton Brothers. So Joe Carroll just walked in, too. So we're going to start the show. All right, Joe, how are you, buddy? Welcome to the show. I'm well. Late. All right. But, you know, I'm always late. You just you gave me a chance to do a nice little introduction, which I don't usually do. So I actually timed it perfectly. This is this is how I uh, wanted it to be. You roll great, man. I don't like sitting around waiting, man. <laughs> oh yeah. So we're just talking about the the early days of the Shelton Brothers, and we're just in the context of you know, there's craft beer movement in America, but really the beers that inspired a lot of us to get into beer in the first place. And I know for me, it was European beers. That one right there. Uh, and for you. It definitely was. So, Joe, tell us how you first met the Shelton Brothers and, and how you got into craft beer. I, it's a funny story, actually. I was working in my really only job I've ever had in the hospitality industry, really, prior to opening Spite and Dival, which was about a three- or four-month stint with a restaurant called Belgo, 
which is really based out of the UK. They have a few in the UK. They came and opened up on Lafayette Street in Manhattan. I remember that. It was and like the, the 1990s. It was like, or yeah, exactly. Right in 97, 98, something like that. Right where, you know where the butter space is today? Yeah. That's where, that's where Belgo was. And it actually, working there taught me a lot about the business because they made a lot of mistakes. And I got to witness those mistakes firsthand on their dime. But beyond that, I, I was working a, um, a lunch shift. And the lunches were fairly slow. I was a bartender. And I was flipping through, I don't know, we'll say Ale Street News. It probably was. And I saw an ad for Shelton Brothers and a bunch of their beers. And the, the Duranka beers, the Double X Bitter and the Gulenberg, were two in the ad. And I had heard about these beers. And I would heard that they were pretty amazing. And they were a little different than what was mostly coming out of Belgium at the time. But they weren't in New York. I mean, I was working at Belgium. We had every Belgian beer that was available in New York City we were carrying. So I, there was a phone number. I picked up the phone during my lunch service, which was slow, and I was just standing around and called the number, and Dan Shelton answered the phone. And it was about uh, you know an hour and a half later when I finally got off the phone with him. <laughs> I bet he and cursed you out, didn't he? No, we had no. a great conversation. <laughs> Are you kidding? He was excited that like somebody in New York was excited about his beer. And I was – I I had taken a break, basically, from the music industry. I'd worked in, worked in the music industry for years, and – about a year where I was I was DJing and stuff, but I really didn't have a permanent gig in the, in the music biz. And I started managing a band that was based out of Boston. And this is right when I was leaving Belgo. I, I started managing this band, and I started working for uh, a trade magazine again and, and left Belgo. So I was going up to see this band, um, which I was going up and back and forth to Boston a lot. And I made plans with Dan to meet like on the highway, literally at like a Howard Johnson's. And we snuck in some beer and sat, like, in the back corner of this, like, Howard Johnson's lounge and popped open a bunch of Shelton Brothers beers and drank them. And I was blown away by everything. D- don't tell the rest of it. Don't tell the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> then we went to my car. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I said, don't tell. <laughs> but that, that beer that's sitting right there, the, the double X bitter from Duranka, is, uh, to me, the, the beer most emblematic of the changing of the guard in Belgian brewing, the the new school, the new wave uh, of uh, thinking and approaching Belgian beer, that was really the the beer I think I think of at least that was the the spearhead of it. Um, it was doing something that was distinctly Belgian, but it was doing things in kind of reverse way. They were it was really accentuating the hops and lower alcohol instead of high alcohol and malt. Um, and it really, I think, changed the way. Well, you know, a lot Joe, I, I feel the same way about that beer. It was one, one of the first beers from Shelton Brothers Portfolio that that I bought and sold. And I think someone told me that it was this was actually represent, representative of what Belgian beers used to be. That there's there's some history to this kind of hoppy beers in Belgium and things like that. I, I think it's true everywhere. We weren't there. I don't think BR was... Were you in Belgium? You are in Belgium in the 80s. Were you? Once in a while? Yeah, in the 80s. I don't know. if She was maybe a little kid. Maybe she doesn't remember. But um, it became a thing to have really strong, sweet Belgian beers, Trappist ales. And people think of Belgian beer as that. But that's a relatively new thing, I think. And the guys who are recreating Belgian beer now, making uh, lighter, hoppier beers, are bringing back the stuff that they grew up with. 
is what I understand, of course. Yeah, well, Yvonne de Botts from Brasserie de la Seine is also a tremendous beer historian. And so he's gone through old recipes and found that beers would have had a much higher hop rate than they do now. And that was sort of a thing coming in from what I've learned around in the 50s, 60s. You know, palates tended to trend more sweet. There's a, you know, especially right, in 70s, 80s. Then you've got like soda coming in. So people wanted sweetness. Um, but, you know, I mean, Belgium is a huge hop growing nation. You know, they've got a lot and lot of hops. So there's no reason why they wouldn't have been used in, in big quantities. And in all, in, in all fairness, too, I think those beers, those sweet, big beers started becoming popular and doing well because anybody who was looking for something new in beer back in the 80s and early 90s, that was really the only thing that was so dramatically different from the commercial lagers that we all grew up with in the States. That's And that's what people gravitated towards who wanted to get into good beer because it was so radically different from what you knew out of as beer. So... Initially, I think a lot of people were attracted to those big beers, those malty beers. They still are, no? Right. I, I don't think in the same way. Yes, I think they are still are in general. I mean, but We're getting over the curve a little bit of that now. But yeah, finally. I think people are, are reverting back to easier drinking beers and, and appreciating lager and, and German beers and even, even dare we say, some English ales. Oh, um, please, Joe. You guys are old friends, too. So like, we're just, <laughs> I want to try to tell a little story first a little about how Joe got in the business. And then more so how the Sheldon Brothers actually came into importing beer. And Joel, you've got some of the backstory on that. I was the story there, Jimmy. I was the story. No, I, I was... Uh, you know, like, Joel, Joel shaved. <laughs> he shaved his head and face for the show. Yeah, you have an audio of, uh, video for today, too, don't you? No, yeah. I guess not. Um, Sheldon Brothers started quite by freak accident. I was a musician, as was Joe. I was playing the trombone. Unlike Joe, I had a steady gig. Well, it was only for a few weeks. <laughs> I, I actually stopped playing music long before because I knew I didn't want to wind up playing music in a, some pit orchestra somewhere. Joe, you know? <clears throat> should we go to a break now? Uh, I actually was playing in a pit orchestra and loving it. I was playing a tour of 42nd Street in, uh, in Europe in 1994 in the summer, and we were in Brussels, and I looked at my rough guide to Belgium, and there was Cantillon. I was already kind of a beer fanatic, but I didn't really know too much. And I went to Cantillon as a, as a regular tourist, not as a beer guy as much. And uh, one taste of it, and I knew this was the way uh, Lambique beer should taste. I had tried a bunch of sweet ones, and this was real stuff. It was obvious right away. I brought bottles back from my brothers, and Dan basically said, how do I get this beer? And someone said, well, I don't know. You have to be an importer, I guess. And he became an importer. And that's it in one minute. That's the one-minute Shelton history. So Dan was a lawyer, right? So he just had a, he figured he had a law out, degree. Yes. Figured out the rules and he's a smart guy. You know he knows how to read a read a, 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 a you know read the paperwork and figure it out. And he he decided I'm going to bring this beer over to drink it myself. And to do so, he had to bring a container over. And nobody wanted it. And eventually, people wanted it. I think people want it now. Cantillon probably. I will. Yeah, Joe loves Cantillon. But uh, so that's how it started. It's pretty crazy. I've never seen a beer transform from obscurity to cult status so fast. I've never seen anything go that quickly from in like a two-year period from nobody really knowing what the hell it was or what it was all about. Yeah, the 90s were pretty volatile. Pretty volatile. To everyone wanting it, you know. So what were some of the other first beers that you guys imported? Um, Well, way back. This is like 90-something? Yeah, we have to be honest. I I wasn't, other than being the... uh, the influence originally, I wasn't in the business. Dan wanted me to be in it, and I was uh, hemming and hawing, and I was 
doing well in the music business, sort of, you know, I was making some money, and I didn't really want to do it. So I wasn't around for every little thing that came up. One of the earliest ones I know that we signed up was Mars. I happened to be traveling with Dan in the summer of 90-something, and uh, I looked at my little Michael Jackson guidebook, and I said, hey, there's a brewery down the street. We're in Bomberg. <laughs> and uh, that's how Mars came along, and that's one of our big old-timers, Mars. That's the funniest thing you ever said. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how things happen with Shelton Bros. Oh, there's a brewery down there. Maybe we should go look at it. And then the next thing you know, they're, they're uh, international rock star brewers, you know. Sorry. Yeah. I had nothing. And Joe, Joe actually has been a good uh, patron of Mars from the beginning, if I'm not mistaken. You know, it's our client base at Spiten has been a, a big fan base of, uh, of Mars. They, from day one, when we were carrying that beer 11 years ago now, um, we were never like day to day a real beer geek bar by any means. It was a lot of locals, and they just wanted to drink really good beer. They didn't know about it, didn't want to talk about it, write about it, any of that stuff. They just wanted to drink good beer. And beer to them wasn't high alcohol, big multi beers. It was lager, it was German lager. And that's still to this day our bread and butter is, is, is German lagers. Thank God. And Joel, I know that's kind of your special interest, right? Like the German and Czech lagers. I haven't really switched over from, from the Budweiser and Miller that much, really. I mean, when we were little kids, I, I can't really say my age, but we were around in the 60s. But when we were small kids, Dad used to pour us uh, Dixie cups of beer, which was, I believe, Peel's Real Draft in bottles, <laughs> which just sounds funny. That's only American could have a real draft in bottles, but... It was pretty hoppy, and it was good beer, and we, we grew up with Miller and Bud oh, and everything. That's pretty funny, too. <laughs> <laughs> but we, I, we, Dan will tell you right now, he loves uh, Miller Lite. Uh, <laughs> go figure. But, We've yeah, I've always loved yeah, beer. We have the photos to prove it. Yeah. <laughs> sure. But, no, I mean, we, we've never really gotten away from that first taste of beer our dad gave us. And that was a hoppy beer, believe it or not. I have some German beers once in a while that remind me of the beer I had in 1970 with our dad. And he, it was... Very hoppy, and I think American beers were like that, and something happened along the way. And uh, we were lucky to have been born well, early enough to jump try it. Because I know you guys were, were jumping, but German portfolio. You guys have some great beers. you got Mars, you got Capuzina, Kulmbacher. Uh, who wants to talk about, about that? Because you guys do so many things. I mean, we, you know, Cantillon and Specialty Belgium. But how did you go from Belgium to Germany to, you know, in so many countries? It, it's basically the same thing, I think. We just like good beer. We don't care about extreme beer or anything like that. We just like what the best beer is wherever we go. And it's not that big a leap from Cantillon to Mars or to Capuzino. We're drinking Capuzino Vice. And BR will explain that scientifically right now, why it's not a big leap. Because it's beer. Yeah, it tastes like <laughs> beer. No, I mean, the, the, you know, the philosophy is that to, to, to find the best beers, whether it is you know, a very traditional family-run brewery like Mars, which has been around for hundreds of years, um, you know, the Kulmbacher, Kapuziner that have been, been there for a long time, or something newer like Durank. Um, we've also got the Freigeist, which is one of our new wave of German breweries, still do it yet doing very, very old styles of beer. It's just... Beer that we find has a you know a, a sense of place in a way, as as well as e either big historical ties, traditional beers, or people doing things you know, say in Scandinavia and New Zealand, uh, places where there wasn't that much of a beer tradition. Or and France. Hey, now. Hey, BR's job is France. Sorry. Um, but where where, where people are, are you know homebrewers tasted the beers of Europe then, and then the hoppy beers of the U.S. and barley wines and things and said, hey, I want to bring this back to my own country and, and where it's a land of light lagers. So basically, wherever good beers to be found, we'll, we'll go there. 
and we'll drink it. I think some of the coolest beer right now coming out of Europe is Freigeist and Mon- Monarchy. Um, I think they're doing amazing stuff, re- super interesting stuff. And what's great about it is, like, though they're very modern in their approach, they're they're not trying to just make international IPA style and, and imperial stout styles. And they're actually looking back into German history to find these and resurrect these old beer styles that have, uh, you know, that were once popular locally in Germany and now have, have since disappeared, gone extinct. Or they're doing kind of hybrid German and other beer styles together. But they're really kind of looking at modern brewing through a German lens, and it's pretty cool. It's really uh, cool what's stuff. interesting about Freigeist and all our Germans, I think, is that there's always a, a emphasis on balance and depth and simple quality and you don't get that everywhere in the world at the moment. There's a lot of quirkiness and a lot of gimmicks and a lot of things going on. People doing things quickly and uh, flashing the pan stuff. But Freigeist, like our other Germans, they have something in common that they, they do everything that's very balanced, very drinkable, and uh, never one ingredient popping out too much. It's always about the beer taste, not the ingredients by themselves. Yeah, what's the one beer, if you had to say, you know, you know when did you start working for Shelton Brothers? And what was the beer that first drew you into it and said, wow, this is why I'm working for these guys and this this is why I can sell this over American craft beer or something else? Uh, well, I first started, I guess it's been about five years I've been with Shelton Brothers, but I've known Dan uh, for much longer when he used to live in Brooklyn. He would speak at our homebrew club, um, bring us Cantillon, <laughs> which would not happen now, and also do our annual Christmas meeting. It was like Santa Dan coming down with a bunch of the the Shelton Christmas beers. So I'd known Dan for a while and was familiar with the beers, really enjoyed the beers. Um, And eventually I got involved primarily because I speak French and he needed someone to manage the French breweries. And now that's transitioned into also doing our our Quebec breweries from uh, from Canada. Um, But I mean, I just love the beer. I've been a home brewer, beer judge, enjoyed drinking beer. And it was sort of, I was transitioning out of another career. And I was like, perfect. I like beer. This is good beer, and you know this I'm having. It's, it's a very, it's the type of job. I mean, there's of course day to day issues that are difficult, but it makes the job so much easier when you love everything you're working with. I don't have some beer in the portfolio where I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe I have to try to sell this beer. It's yeah, terrible. It's not, just, not just being a salesperson. In yeah, this case. I mean, yeah. I, I can truly get behind every single product. I'd have favorites certainly, and th- some things that I don't. I'm like, oh, this is not my personal choice. But which, I def- which one's that? <laughs> no, but I like them all. I mean, I'm not going to refuse them. You're way too diplomatic. Do the CL. Come on. There's so many great brands. We have a lot to talk about on the show. We'll take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. So, you like good beer. Whether you're a craft beer pro or just had your first sip of an IPA, GreatBrewers.com is your number one beer resource on the internet. GreatBrewers.com bridges the gap between the world's great brewers and the consumers who enjoy their products. With so much information and misinformation out there, GreatBrewers.com focuses on education and leaves no stone unturned. Take the Great Beer Test on their website and browse through an extensive product catalog. Download their mobile beer cloud app, which includes a GPS beer finder, a beer sommelier, and descriptions for over 5,000 different brews. What are you waiting for? Back up that passion for craft beer with some solid information and education. Visit greatbrewers.com today.
Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. All right. We've got a great crowd in here tonight. We've got Joe Carroll from Spite and Dival, B.R. Roya, and uh, Joel Shelton from Shelton Brothers. We're talking about the Shelton Brothers specialty importers and uh, the other side of craft beer, stuff that's coming in from other countries that inspired a lot of us. And uh, we're already on a third beer, so we started with Drunky XX, the Coppazine Vice, and uh, the Fry Guys. So, Joe, you, you've always carried, like, all the coolest stuff. I still think, to me, Spite and Dival is my favorite beer bar in Thank New York you, City. And it Thank still you. is. And part of it is, is like, you're, you definitely mix it up. You never get stuck with one brand. You're not just doing American craft. Right. So, uh, how did the Shelton Brothers influence you? Just, just well, talk, because I remember the first time we had you on a couple years ago. Right. We had so much to say. We opened now 11 years ago. Um, well, it'll be 11 years in September. And really, back then, there was not a lot of domestic craft beer. Not that, there was, not that it didn't exist. It was out there. It just wasn't available in New York. There was a handful of domestic craft breweries available in New York. What there was in abundance was European beers, Though most of them were okay. They weren't outstanding. And really, at the time, Shelton and Be United, to an extent, had stuff that was head and shoulders above what everyone else was bringing in. There was no question about it. Um, just much more interesting beers, much better beers, much more balanced beers. And the Be United stuff was in New York for a bit, but Shelton stuff wasn't. And when we opened, we, we were able to kind of you know, get get our hands on some, and <laughs> especially it, it really blew people's minds because not only did they not know a bunch of these beers, they'd never seen them in New York really before, but when they started drinking them, they were even more blown away because the beers were so damn good. Um, and it was sort of this this opening that had existed in New York for far too long of like you know this this vacuum of no great incredible beer from Europe. A lot of mediocre stuff. Some okay stuff, but nothing mind-blowing. And when the Shelton portfolio came into New York, it really it really messed with people. Um, you know, I'll never forget when we first opened, guys coming in with, like, the Jackson, Jackson Guide and other books and, like, looking up the names because they'd never seen this stuff before and kind of really geeking out on it. And it, it made an impression on people. It really did. There's no question. So, Joel, when you guys were first traveling in Europe and, and discovering beers to import, I mean, did, did you go by the Michael Jackson guys? <laughs> did I not? When I, I, I copied the pages of most of the Michael Jackson book when I went on tour as a musician before we were even doing the business. This was starting in 1990, I would say. We were all homebrewing, my brothers and I, and just starting to get into all this stuff. And I was a complete fanatic. And uh, I, I had the copies of each Michael Jackson page because I didn't want to carry the book. So I just carried these white pages everywhere. And every every place I went in Europe, I was lucky to go all over Europe, and I would go into every beer shop, every bar, and collect beer labels, collect bottles. I would play in the pit and bring 10 beers in the pit and make the guys in the pit drink them during the show just to get the beer labels. That's what a nut I was. And I was trying everything. And uh, I that was before we did the, the importing, so I didn't think it was a career. And only, bef- only when we brought the Cantillon did it become a career, and then it became something else. But I think to this day, we're still doing the same thing. Dan and I were just in Germany in July and trying new beers in Hamburg, Berlin, even Franconia, new beers. And so it never goes away, and that's what we've been doing all along for how many years? I don't know, since 96. A long time. You guys have been out for a while. What were some of the beers besides Cantillon? They were in Michael Jackson's book, but no one was importing them to the States. (laughs) Phantom. 
But that was that around then? I, I mean, that was one of the. I remember that being one of the earlier ones in, in your portfolio. That Definitely the, the really Kulmbacher like the, about. the yeah, EKU yeah. twenty eight. I yeah. went right. to Kulmbach specifically because of the Michael Jackson pocket guide. Took a train there, and at noon, <laughs> cracked open the EKU twenty eight, much to the chagrin of the the other patrons in the bar who all went silent when they heard the order of <laughs> drinking eleven percent triple Bach at noon. That yeah, it's in Michael. Yeah, Kulmbacher's in Michael Jackson because it's a style, a dark beer style, which is the uh, Schwartz beer style, and. I don't even remember. Everything's so different now from when it was when the Michael Jackson books came out. You remember he had his show, Beer Hunter, and I watched those, and I would buy every beer that was in the shows and sit down with my friends and drink them as he talked about them and all this crazy stuff. But it's extremely broader uh, 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 availability of beers now. I mean, hundreds more beers oh than God, there were those yeah. in those days. It's completely close. different. It's a different planet already in less than 20 years. That- Beer Hunter documentary that he did for the BBC, and then I think I picked up by the Discovery Channel here. Yeah, um, that was really the the thing that got me into beer. Seeing that documentary really just blew me away, and, and from that moment on, I was I was hooked. Yeah, he was God. I mean, basically, right. and Dan became a good friend of his later, and unfortunately, he passed away a few years ago. But he really was extremely important. He was the man who 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 was doing this before anybody thought of doing it. I, I would say. Cheers to that. All yeah. right. Michael Jackson. Hey. Um, and you just opened up the, the Frygeist. Uh, and didn't give me any. BR, Joel, who wants to talk about this beer? Because this is your, your newer stuff. The newer breweries come out of Germany. Well, here's an example of what I was saying. Dan and I went to Cologne, I think 2011, 2010. I'm not sure, in the summer. Um, some of our guys had spoken with Sebastian Sauer from, from Frygeist. It's it's a long story. There, there's a place called Braustelle in Cologne. It's a brew pub. And from that, they branched out to start Frygeist, which is a place, uh, you know, a way to sell bottled beer outside of Germany, blah, blah, blah. But they met Sebastian, and Dan and I said, all right, let's go meet him. And we sat down and had a bunch of their stuff, including the Otto Cologne Kolsch, which was called Helios Kolsch. We changed the name later for the United States. But we started bringing a bunch of their stuff. Their, their standard beers are pretty freaky for German for German beer. I mean, a, a Lichtenhainer, Berliner Weiss style, which is the Abraxas. And... Uh, we loved them, and they're all really drinkable, really balanced, and as I said, freaky by German standards, but by American standards, it's just really, really good beer, I think. Joe, what else? This is like last week we did Sierra Nevada Beer Camp 12, 12 beers, and uh, I think we're going to top it today. <laughs> Joe, what did you just open for us? Well, I want to I pour but, one for, for Joel, too, before we taste it and get into it. See, there's always deals going on, Jimmy, behind the scenes. You know, we're on the radio, but we're still. Joe's selling me this beer is, now. This is the so. only non-Shelton beer we'll probably drink today. I brought another one. Oh Shelton God, beer. what is this swill, Joe? <laughs> but I want. Good I, Lord! I always like messing, especially with with Dan and Joel and and his brother and their brother Will, and giving them some other stuff sometimes that oh, they might not Lord. otherwise. I can't even say the name. You know, of this the weirdest beer. show we ever had was it was for the <laughs> 2010 Olympics and South. South Africa. Joel, no, after the World Cup. After yeah, the World Cup. Joel, Joel Dan, and, and uh, Will came in, and they all brought their Vuvuzelas. V- v- Vuvuzelas. I, I thought them. we would be banned from Beer Sessions Radio <laughs> after that. Just like the Vuvuzelas were banned in Brazil. We, we, we got you guys under control, but that's the kind of spirit these guys have. But I think Joe tops you guys. That's the thing. That's why Joe's so successful. He can handle you guys. He's manhandling us so right now. Like, with I this. walk away from them. They're too crazy. Is everyone, <laughs> you guys everyone are vegetarians hit? by training. <laughs> Yeah, that kind of freaks yeah. me out. We, we don't mind working with Joe, even though... Or you, Jimmy. The, the fact that you guys eat meat and stuff, we still work with you guys. We take pity on you. But, Joe, what's this 
non-Shelton beer you're making us drink here. It's not beer. What is it, BR? You're the BR is a uh, BR is a judge. She should be able to tell us what this is. Oh, it's very it's 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 like cidery yet vinous as well. It's not cider. I would say I would say is, is it one of those crazy natural? Oh, wines this is natural like? wine, it's isn't a it, crazy Joe? Crazy wine. Joe loves his natural wine. Obviously, the beer show is going to wine. So this though. is a, <laughs> this is how Joe does. He just gets in there. It's the natural wine, though. It's a wine from California. It's yeah. a skin-fermented Sauvignon Blanc, and it's done in a sparkling style. So it's very, it definitely has a cider-like quality to it. And then kind of, aside from the fruit, it definitely could pass as beer as well. I thought it was a sour beer, yeah. It's like unfiltered, yeah. sparkly. So you just like this. You guys have a great relationship. You guys can stump each other. we got to talk I more like, about I this. I like messing with you. Guys you guys are holding back on me, you know? I want, I want to hear about, you know... What else? Well, Shelton Brothers is getting into importing uh, spirit, so perhaps we can. Next thing will be natural wines. Yeah, exactly. obviously Joe's already importing this one himself. I'm, I'm gonna tell you all the dirt on Shelton Brothers. First time I met Dan Shelton, he told me how, how much my beer sucked, <laughs> and then <laughs> he I, was and actually then being I really funny. I actually tried all the great stuff, the EKUs, and I went through the whole list with him, and uh, I became a nut. And I think that actually helped my education a lot. So I think Dan Shelton really helped me learn about beer. Um, He's a great teacher like Jesus Christ or something yeah, no, like that. Yeah. Very much so like Jesus yeah. Christ, yes. And uh, <laughs> he was good friends with Ray from uh, Ray Dieter from DBA. So I'm, I'm pretty sure in the old days it was what? Spite and Dival and DBA, they were the places getting... Those are the well, big we were, stuff. I mean, like I said, we were around 11 years, but DBA and, and a handful of other places have been around much longer than us. And Tiger and, um, I mean... Places that are gone now too. That yeah. you know were around in the. But 90s. where else? Where else are you guys selling in the old days? You were selling at Spine Dival, DBA. You know, going back. In back. The, oh, oh, you know, Waterfront Alehouse was a good was a good account in the old days. I think that was even when they were still on Atlantic Avenue. Mm-hmm. They're still on Atlantic Avenue. Oh, they're oh, they're on a different address. On that. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a good friend of Dan's. The, uh, Sam Barbier. Sam, yeah, he's Sam, a great yeah. guy. And. I remember in the early 90s, we were hanging out there a lot because they had free popcorn and $2 drafts on Tuesday evenings. And uh, I and my friends drank a lot of beer down there at Waterfront Ale House. And that's what it's all about, you know, chugging pints when you get down to it. Really, it's not about taking notes and drinking 10% beers and having one and passing out. It's about chugging as many pints as possible and enjoying your beer like a real man or woman. All right. It's a right. Shelton dry humor. Remember that. I wasn't humored, Jim. You guys funny as hell. But <laughs> That's prophecy. We, we have a lot of things going on between us. Shelton's, Dan Shelton's, you guys. But BR, give us a little overview because you're really the person that speaks best for these guys. Wait, what, you want the, you <laughs> want the dirt? Is that well, what you yeah, want? Well, yeah. You know. The voice of sanity. Okay. Because, I mean, Joel, jazz musicians are funny, but orcas are pick guys. I don't know. But <laughs> BR, tell us a little bit about the uh, Shelton Brothers to you. Because these are great beers that you brought, and there's so many beers that you guys have. Well, that's the problem. There's, there are so many good beers, and that's sometimes you know. The it's issue. driving me nuts, and you're not talking about them. Well, I mean, which one? We, I thought we were going old school. We're talking about the early days. I wasn't there. The roots, man. Yeah, I was just drinking the beers. She know? was there. She was in the in the, hiding in the in the corner. She was it, there, though. I think it's mind blowing now how many beers are available just in New York City alone let alone any other well, market in the country. I mean, I mean, even our own portfolio, you know, it just keeps expanding Stag- because staggering. we keep finding, I mean, it used to be where, yeah, you know, Dan would go and travel and try these new places and be like, that no one had heard of because of the Michael Jackson guide. He would go there, um, bring them back. Now it's mostly people are either coming to us, soliciting us and saying, I heard you import beer. Here are some of my beers. Um, most of the time, the people that we will end up taking are people like we'll have someone will say, suggest oh, a new brewery has just opened up. 
we suggest you you know that we are someone who we already import will recommend somebody um but it's hard because there's so many beers and we love them all and we want to bring them in but then sometimes it can get lost in the shuffle so, if it's a small brewery well, here's one for our listeners and maggie's going to tweet it out um who knows what town in germany mars brow is in now we know that but if for anyone listeners if they're tweeting us at beer underscore sessions what town in Germany is Mars Brown? And so we can't say that the name of that town, but Joel already said. It. Do they have to? Do <laughs> they have to listen to the show? Do they have to pronounce it or just being write write it out? That's a Twitter thing. Man. You have to pronounce it right it's about to, Twitter. to yourself. But to yourself. so so Mars, for example. Okay, I got an anecdote. We need some anecdotes, guys. You guys are okay. Hello. A couple years ago, you guys brought Mars. You got to Stefan from Mars. Stefan came to Jimmy's number forty three. Greatest accent in the world. He did a in great later, tasting, and I will in say later this: He taught me a lot of things. First of all. He had his different beers. He, he had the, the Licta, which is only 2.5%. But he started with, like, the Visa and the Box. And then the fourth beer was Licta. So he, rather than going from light alcohol to strong, he went from unhopped to hopped, or less hoppy to hoppy. And it kind of was one of the best tastings I've ever had. Blew my mind. And uh, then he did demonstrations on how he uses his later hose in and <laughs> has to pee in festivals and things like that. But a unique experience. So these are the anecdotes that we're looking for from you guys. But we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. <laughs> Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. HeritageRadioNetwork.org just finished up a great membership drive. You can still join up. HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm a member. I think all the hosts are members and uh, get a lot out of this. this. Is over 25 shows from chef shows, farm shows, food issues, and all this cool stuff. But we're the beer show. And there's also our buddies Ferment about it. Uh, they're on Mondays as well. So they're like all things Ferment, but we're really the beer show. Got some great guests tonight. Joe Carroll from Spite and Dival. Uh, B.R. Roya and Joel Shelton from Shelton Brothers. We're talking about all things Shelton Brothers, especially importers, their role in uh, you know the beer scene. But mostly we all learn from them, and uh, a lot of us got started uh, drinking great beers from uh, these guys. So now we're coming, like, bringing all the way back up. We st- talk about the old days, Cantillon and Mars, how you guys first got started. But then you guys jumped up to Quebec, and uh, one of my favorite breweries in the whole world is uh, Du de Ciel. In uh, Montreal, how did you guys ever meet them, and how did that become part of your portfolio? Because that's an interesting story. Good question. Do you know Br? I think, 
Well, well beers were involved, I'm sure. But uh, yeah. I used to go up to, with my old job, uh, worked with a record label up in Montreal and was frequently traveling up there. Um, a couple times a year, and you know, again, you know, looking at Ale Street News or wherever to see where the beer places to go, and um, started going to the Judy Sale Brew Pub. Um, I think the first year we were, they were open. In fact, I one year up uh, happened to be up there just on vacation for New Year's, and they had um, a special heavy metal spectacle, <laughs> which I guess was like the first year they were open. And Stefan, one of the the owners from Judy Sale, was his band was doing heavy metal covers and. Is always su- surprised to know that uh, wait, you were actually there seeing me perform in this crazy cover metal cover band. Um, but yeah, so I, I ended up meeting uh, JF and Stefan uh, just through through drinking there, um, and had mentioned to Dan at some point like, oh, then you know if you're up there, I suggest you you get in touch with those guys because they're making some fantastic beer. And I believe Joel didn't weren't he and Tessa up there for Valentine's Day and had a evening spent Valentine's Day at, at Judy CL. I have no idea. I don't know what I don't know what Tessa thought about that, but Dan enjoyed it. So you you hooked up DDCL with with Dan? I believe so. I don't even know. That's new to me. I'm learning something on the beer sessions radio today. Learn something new. Wow! Every day. Yeah, Listen no, I, just, I love those beers, and so I told Dan, you know, if you're gonna, if you know, wow. oh, that was it. I think they were starting. They were considering. Joe, you've had a lot of them, haven't you? DDCL. Yeah, yeah. I'm good friends with those guys, and um, we've done tons of events with them, almost yearly. Um, I think yearly, Joe, not almost I, yearly. I, I think you're right. <laughs> and, <laughs> What's a typical and, event like at Spite and Dove? Because you, you just have this cool setting. It's pretty low key. Uh, you know, we don't. We re- you know we don't really do any speaking or any really any giveaways or anything. It's just it's a silent yeah, event. It's, yeah, it's nobody talks. Event, right. You just have yeah. the beers. And that's it. Put the beers mind. on. The beer speaks um, for itself. A lot. You know, usually we like to take in some interesting stuff. Um, we don't do tons of it, events come in waves. Sometimes we won't do events for three months and then we could do three events in two weeks. It's just kind of what hap- what's going on and who's in town and what's, what's happening for the most part. And a lot of our brewers, whenever they come to town, they say, can we do an event at Spite and Dival? Yeah. They, I mean, that's, you're well known in Europe among the brewers, but, uh, we had a, we had a fun event there once a couple of years ago. We had, I think it was after Philly beer week. Uh, Jean from Cantillon came up and, right. and Shettle from New New. It was a, I believe it was, it was after a, the festival, actually. The first I, year of the festival. Was, no, I think it was. It was, Phil, was, was it I think it was Philly Beer, which yeah, was a couple of years was. back, and um, I remember it was just an odd juxtaposition of. Right. But it was great because it was you know here are just a range of our. There was a third brewery, and I can't. I think. Uh, I think Armand de Belder might possibly have been there, Armand or, from yeah. Dre Fontaine. And, yeah, oh, it's great getting these guys together. It's awesome. That I think we, the Shelton Brothers Festival. I'll put a plug in. We're going to be doing. Can we announce it? Beer? Yes. LA. Yeah, we're doing it in L.A. in the shipyard. Killing me. Yeah. Killing me too. Yeah, it's about the West Coast this year, and uh, it's in uh, uh, November second. Second? No. I want to say seven, seven and eight. It's second. the early, early weekend in November second at no the weekend. Port of Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, again, as as our past two festivals have been, uh, the brewers will be there. That's required that the brewer is there to pour the beer and talk about the beer, as opposed to uh, you know some sales rep or in you know volunteer. And what, don't you have a a brewery in Los Angeles that you're selling? Uh, Brewery the West, yes. They're they, helping us out with They're helping logistics. us out because they have a new spot they'll be opening up. They're doing some really interesting um, farmhouse-style, Belgian-style beers. They do an, a blonde, a saison. They had a, a, a blackberry saison, triple. And awesome. come, to, come to speak of it, Jimmy, we do a lot of American beers. We, we facilitate distribution of a lot of American beers. So we're not just uh, foreigners here. Nice segue, Joel. Yeah, yeah. You guys have done a great job. Like, we got a, we got a call, and actually, um, the other guests we were waiting for... Corey yeah. Bonfilio, some of you know him from Proletariat, a great beer bar in the East Village. Corey's on the phone. How are you, buddy? 
Good. What's going on, guys? How are you? Hey, do, do you have a question for the the Sean guys? Because I know you have a lot of their beers. Uh, no. <laughs> All right. Oh, he doesn't have a lot of our beers. Is that what I'm hearing? Corey, do you like the Sean Brothers beers? We lost Corey. Corey, hang up. I guess we lost. Okay, that was Anyways, a, Corey. Corey Bonfilio was going to be on the show, but I guess he's working. That tonight, was one of the so. quickest interviews ever. Yeah, but a great guy. If you want to go to Proletariat, another place that supported a lot of uh, Shelton Brothers. Man, a few so, words. Yeah. So, Joe, what else did you bring? McKellar Alive. That's an awesome beer. McKellar, it's alive. Uh, aged in Chardonnay barrels, so the kind of you know segue back into beer from the wine, Chardonnay barrel. Very slick, Joe. Yeah. Right. You know. And how did you guys? How did you guys ever meet McKellar and and start importing him? Because that's a pretty popular brand and. People probably don't realize that it's also a Shelton Brothers beer, right? It has, it has its own identity at this point, Mikelar, I think. Yeah, but um, beer, tell us, you, you don't know how you I, even started I selling I realize I'm not sure how we first met Mikel. That was before I started, so... I wasn't there, Jimmy, for, quite frankly. I, but, Joe, uh, tell me. <laughs> Joe, do you I know? What, I mean, I think what happened is Mikel was starting to blow up, and Dan, it was just on Dan's radar, and he was going to yeah. Scandinavia yeah. a lot yeah. then. It's, and, Jimmy, it's, re- it's really kind of a hands-on, and, and our website says uh, the, the best beer is imported by hand, and the, or whatever our website says, and that's really what it's like. It's nothing too complicated. It's about human interaction. We go over there, and we try to meet these guys. Joe will say that, I mean, Joe met Dan in a, sounds like a hotel on a highway in Massachusetts, and... Uh, Dan makes no secret that he slept on the same couch as Stefan from Mars back in the day. It's like that. You've got to do things like that to, to hook up with these brewers, literally. You know what I'm saying? It's, and still to this day, we, we're good buddies with our brewers. We go over there. We hang out. We, we drink the beers. We uh, pass out with them. We wake up with hangovers with them. It's, it's, all, it's a very hands-on stuff, and okay. it's very personal. Hey, we just got mentioned on Twitter. Amazing. Ooh. Awesome. Okay, Jill, let's go through. This is, I don't usually ask these kind of questions, but Joe. Top five brands the Shelton Brothers import that Jesus. any lover of craft beer should try. Because a lot of people haven't tried all these great European beers. And Diplomatic, Joe. Diplomatic. Uh, I, you know, I think it goes back to some of the earlier beers in the portfolio. I think Cantillon, Phantom, Mars, uh, without a doubt, those three um, people should, should know. Doranka, no question. Um, how many is that? Four? Yeah, it's four already. You got one left that. out of 80 I or need something. one more. One more. Oh, choose wisely, Joe. Um, Someone's not going to send beer to you. Michigan. You know, I still uh, think. I still think to this day, uh, with all the craziness that's going on in brewing and the uh, the the quantity of truly great breweries that are on this country, Jolly Pumpkin is still one of, or if not, the best American brewery. And you always have a great lineup of bottles. Yeah, we always keep we too. always keep Jolly Pumpkin in. Uh, Jolly Pumpkin to me is, is still. I'm going to say if, if, if you're coming to Brooklyn and coming here, so you're coming to Brooklyn. There's great beer bars, all the good beer seal bars. There's so much good stuff in the city. But when you go to Spite and Dival, just to look at your bottle list, it's like, I want to go nuts. Thanks. Yeah. No, for real. It's we fun. are. Five, five brands of that you guys import. You do that, this every time, Jimmy. Well, because it's you like, have so many, I can't keep track. It's like, you know, naming my favorite child. I don't have children, but if I did, well, you know. I mean, I, I love Mars. I went to, I won't name the town because we were... I guess doing a contest of, with my Michael yeah, where Jackson. Where is Mars in Germany? Uh, can I say that now? No. Okay. No. Um, so anyhow, went went there be, well before it was being imported and tried it and was like, uh, I just remember sitting outside with the, the, the nice ceramic stein of beer with a bunch of old guys. And it was just, it's a fantastic beer. It's something you can continuously drink. Um, I love the Duranc XX Bitter. Um, 
it's really hard because it also depends on is it summer? Do I want something lighter, a little bit more tart? Okay, is next, it, Joel. Yeah, <laughs> tell me. Thank you. Come Off on. the hook. What, what's the question? Five best beers in the world by Shelton Brothers? Two. Three. Two. No, let me think of See. like 12 over here, Jimmy. 12 is okay. All right. Well, everyone's saying Mars. Okay, Mars. But I want to throw in the Neighbors of Mars, Vicenoe, which nobody seems to ever notice. But they're really, really great old cluster brewery, cloister brewery you know, nearby. And Joe's had their beers. Monk's Fest is my favorite beer ever, in a way, because I drink... Well, we had too much of it last year. I drank it all winter because I ordered some cases for myself. I think it's fantastic. I drank that beer every night. Vicenoa Monk's Fest. Other brewers? Thierry. Uh, Thierry, yeah. yeah French, the beer I want to... Yeah, Thierry Extra Beer is is, is 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 good as any beer in the world, I would say. Uh, Baird Beer from Japan is fantastic. I'm going to rattle off a bunch. Really, uh, De La Seine from Brussels is, is yeah. amazing. We already mentioned Ron. We have a bunch of good Americans now that everyone already knows, Anchorage and Prairie and Saint somewhere. Know, and all that's these the guys. thing. They're, they're all great. Honestly, I, we, don't, we don't really deal with beer we don't like. We think they're all fantastic. But you and just have I, to I tell can, us because that's the thing is you have so many beers. Yeah. I, I can't remember what you guys have. It's not, we don't collect beers just <laughs> to, to have. A, yeah. we, we, don't, we take oh, beer check, we like. Check, check. Check beer. Oh, all right, let's check beers. Right. Right. Spe- wait, I'm going to read off. Somebody's going to read off the beer list. It says... Uh, what's his name? Joel Shelton, and he's an admitted traditional lager fanatic. He's the company's German and Czech specialist. Let's talk German and Czech real quick. Uh, right. We have two Czech breweries, Coat, K-O-U-T, and Conrad. Uh, Conrad does pasteurized beer. Coat does unpasteurized beer. The The ultimate traditional beer is the pasteurized beer. The Coat is delicious, uh, as you'll discover if you try it. It's only really sold very much in New York. So if you're in New York, go out there and look for it. Uh, the Conrad is the really old school stuff. Both of these breweries were closed down by mergers and capitalist freaks, and became uh, became born again. But thanks to the uh, you know, our most the popular uh, lager and bottle at Jimmy's number forty three is the Conrad. What do we have? The yeah. ten or the fourteen? The eleven. The eleven. One of those numbered yeah. beers. But Czech beer uh, was, was greatly mentioned in the Michael Jackson books in the old days, and it was during the days actually when Michael Jackson wrote those books. It was still uh, the, the the wall was up still. And uh, it was a mysterious place. And then it lost its cachet completely with the craft beer boom because they were still making the same beer. And the thing is, if you can get that beer in its traditional state, the, the way the old, they made it in the old days, it, to me, is as good as anything on the planet, a real Czech lager. So if you really want to know more about the Shelton Brothers beers, you've got to drink them. You've got to go to Spite and Dival, Jimmy's Number 43, or perhaps uh, go to the Shelton Brothers Festival. This November in California, and many of our listeners are from around the country. So, and by the way, Stefan from Mars, who is a uh, always hooking up with rock stars, he he promises some LA rock stars will be at the fest, and he's going to wear his lederhosen too. So, yeah, it's a combination of rock stars and lederhosen that can't be beat. All right, Joe, anything you'd like to recommend to uh, our listeners before we sign off? Um. Just drink more Shelton Brothers beer. So that's <laughs> it. You like you like naturally Thank you. made wines and things. And this, give and us we, a quick shout out. How many restaurants do you have? Your restaurant bars. I don't, you're I don't the quiet know. guy. Six places, I think, or things. Like what are they called? Fetisau, Spite and Dival, two Fetisaus, oh Saint Anselm. I have a distribution company that I don't really speak about much called uh, Gotham Artisanal, and that's non-alcoholic uh, beverages and like bitters cocktail and bitters sodas. and syrups yeah. and mixers and stuff, right? And then um, I have a new place coming online in about a month or two called Samia. The, uh, the Spanish word for seed. And it's my first real chef-driven place. It's 
and be. It's like pornogra- pornography. Yeah, it sounds like right. Joe. You're going to take some of our Spanish beer for that, aren't you? No, it's not Spanish, but it's a Spanish name. Well, think about. Spanish. I'm sure we'll have some of your beers. There's good Spanish beer, Joe. All right. I've heard yeah. that. Well, this is this. I would be remiss if I didn't mention that we also do ciders and meads. We do fantastic. You blew it. You missed it. <sighs> There's so many it. things. So you got to check out the Sheldon Brothers. Go to Jimmy's <laughs> number 43, Spite and Dival. Go to the festival if you feel like flying out to L.A. I, I would love a flight out there if I could get it. And, uh, also, you just have to book one, Jim. <laughs> for other local events, our Pig Island event is coming up September 6th. Um, we have all New York State pigs and local chefs. and uh, The best pigs State in America beer. are in New York State. Yeah. You got it. So uh, that's pigisland.com. Check it out. It's going to be a great event this year in Red Hook, Brooklyn, the fifth annual event. All right, gentlemen. Uh, in closing, I'd like to thank our sponsors at greatbrewers.com and help to bring this podcast to you tonight. Thanks to Joel, BR, Joe, and Corey. Thanks for calling in for joining me here Woo. on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our Woo. producers, Maggie Side and Justin Kennedy, and our engineer, Jack Inslee. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time yeah. on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Bye Today's Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.